ESPN 94.1 FM at AM 930 present The Drive. Brought to you by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. Local then, local now. Member FDIC. Welcome into this Tuesday, February 18th edition. Your drive begins now on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate that. You can join the program by calling the Miller Lite phone lines, 877-420-TALK, 877-420-8255. Miller Lite, hold true, great taste, only 96 calories. It is the original light beer. So we've got that weirdness going on right now. We got Marshall basketball coming up, but Marshall basketball, we're several days away. We don't have a Thursday game to talk about. We wrapped up what happened over the weekend yesterday. We talked a little bit about pod play yesterday, and we're going to talk about pod play again today. And of course, Thundering Herd in pod two, group two, no chance to work their way up into that top group now. They are locked in. I mean, they could get hot right now. The herd could get hot again. And they could have had an opportunity to finish in the top grouping, maybe get a first round by. I know, wishful thinking, maybe. You know, maybe I'm being optimistic. That's okay. I'm allowed to be optimistic. But at the same time, Thundering Herd now just fighting for seeding positioning here. And I, I'm still not a fan of pod play. I don't see the tangible benefit for Marshall or for Conference USA. Because something I like to do, I like looking at the net. Always like looking at the net. It's easily available. You're kind of curious where Marshall's at when it comes to the net ranking and where Conference USA is at when it comes to the net ranking. Well, Conference USA, not so good. Nothing's really changed. We talked about this a little bit yesterday. I'll just touch on it. North Texas, Louisiana Tech, 90 and 93, respectively. So you don't want them facing off against Rice. And the last couple of weeks, Rice with a 213 net or Southern Miss with a 257 net. You don't want that, right? Because you don't want your top teams taking a bad loss. You're trying to protect your bad teams from ruining the good team's record. That's what you're trying to do because we don't want that. We don't want Southern Miss or Rice to, to knock off one of the top teams in Conference USA. We don't want that. We don't want Conference USA just to be a one-bid league. We don't want that at all. And so here we are with group play coming down once again to what end, I don't know. Because there's no chance whatsoever for this to really boost Conference USA. I mean, if you got a bad league or a mediocre league and you're playing everyone in your league and then you're playing everyone in a certain group of your league and still mediocre league, I don't know where you're going to find success. I don't know where you're going to find that. And it's okay. Give Conference USA credit. They were thinking out of the box, trying to do something different. It's fine. It's happened. I don't see it succeeding. I don't think it should continue. We could be talking about a game right now, getting ready for a game on Thursday. Heard trying to work their way into a good spot in the Conference USA tournament. Instead, they are trying to just work their way into a good seed in the Conference USA tournament in their group. And, of course, all that action begins on Saturday. We'll have it for you right here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. But when it comes to trying to protect these teams, I mean, you're going to play each other at least once, right? You're going to play everybody once. You're going to play that team that's at the bottom once, and they could get that win. 
like example, Rice, they beat North Texas February 1st. You think that was a good win for Rice? Heck yeah, it was a good win for Rice. Is that a bad loss for North Texas? Yeah. And it's just not going to help looking at what Marshall or the rest of this league is trying to do. And really, it's not the schools. It's more the teams doing what the conference wants them to do. And at the end of the day, I don't think it's working. But we've talked about that a lot, and we're just going to have to wait and see what happens. Conference USA is not getting two bids. This is a one-bid league, and that's it. Because nobody really has a resume. I mean, let's look at the top teams and look at their resume. This is... This is what you're trying to do. You're trying to protect your top team's resume, okay? So let's look at the resumes here and see what you got. Okay, you have North Texas, net ranking of 90, as I mentioned. And you look at their schedule, where are the signature wins? They've got losses, VCU, Arkansas, Eastern Michigan, Rhode Island, Utah State, Oklahoma, Dayton. They've got losses. Western Kentucky, they lost to them. They lost to Rice. Other than that, they've been pretty solid in Conference USA. Where are the signature wins? Is there a signature win in Conference USA? No, not really, because they're the best team. Is there a signature win in the non-conference? Well, they beat Oklahoma Christian. North Carolina A&T, they beat them. They beat UT Arlington. They beat Little Rock. Arkansas Pine Bluff, they beat them. Texas Wesleyan beat them. No signature wins here. Is this an at-large team? I don't think so. Is this a team that wins their conference is deserving of getting into the tournament? Yeah, you can say that. Make that argument. And then you look at the other team. Let's say Louisiana Tech, right? Louisiana Tech, well, I'm going to tell you right now, they definitely don't have anything that's on the resume that can build them up. So Louisiana Tech. Let's see. They have wins against A&M Corpus Christi. They have wins against Mississippi Valley, Samford, Mississippi State, Louisiana, NC Central. And then you look at the rest of this and you think, okay, where where are the signature where, where's the signature win here? They lost to Creighton. Okay, that's not terrible. They lost to Indiana. That wasn't terrible. They lost to Sam Houston State. That's not terrible there. Uh, they lost to UTSA. They lost to North Texas. They lost to Western Kentucky and Marshall in back-to-back fashion. And now they can maybe improve their resume just a little bit with North Texas. Yeah, I mean, what kind of boost do you get? If you're North Texas, do you get a boost or you're just staying put? If you beat Western Kentucky, are you getting a boost or are you staying put? You're probably staying put. FIU and Charlotte. FIU and Charlotte are in this thing, by the way. And FIU and Charlotte, they're net not exactly Great. It's not bad. It's not great either. So you're locked in, FIU and Charlotte. What does that mean? Well, that means FIU has a net of 174, and Charlotte has a net of 173. So Charlotte and FIU, they've got something to gain, but really they don't. All they're playing for is seeding. Again, the top five teams are playing for seeding at this moment, and four of the five will get first-round buys. If Western Kentucky, Charlotte, and FIU can work their way in and knock Louisiana Tech or North Texas out of one of those first-round buys, well, one, they would have earned it because they beat them. And two, that doesn't help your overall conference resume. Because, again, 90 and 93, North Texas, Louisiana Tech, 90 and 93 at the net. And the net's not the ultimate decider here. It's not going to be—they're not just going to go down the list and say, okay, let's look at the net. All right, we're going to take this team because it's the highest team on the net. Not taking— teams like that, but it's a tool. But at the same time, I just went over their resume. Where are the signature wins? Where are the victories that impress? Where are the, okay, they beat a really good team. 
Thus, they should be a good team. They must be a good team. The Conference USA good, but are they NCAA at-large bid good? Whatever that means. But again, I mean, it's not going to be fair. It's not going to be proportional. I mean, don't be surprised. There will be teams that maybe have a little lower net, but they play in a tougher conference, and so they might get the nod. I mean, that's a deep possibility here when you look at how this tournament's going to break down and how everything's going to play out. As I've mentioned before, as we've always mentioned, you win in the NCAA tournament. How do you get in the NCAA tournament? Well, you win your conference. And so this is how you get to the tournament. Not by going to group play, not trying to protect teams in group one by shielding them from the teams in group two or, more importantly, group three. You're not going to improve your resume. You're not going to keep your squad viable. You're just making it more difficult. You're adding some complication, a layer of complication to this. I mean, simple. Play your conference games, play your tournament, see what happens. You want to get an at-large bid? One, play tougher competition out of conference. Two, beat tougher competition out of conference. That's how you get into the NCAA tournament if you are one of these lower-level, mid-level teams. That's, that's it. That's how you do it. Because your conference isn't regarded as tougher competition. So you got to get those victories if you're Marshall, Western Kentucky, Louisiana Tech, North Texas, Charlotte. If you're these teams, FIU, if you're these teams, you've got to go out and win in your non-conference. And win convincingly or win against better opponents across the board. Have close losses. Have tough, close losses and good victories over higher-level opponents. That's how you get in if you're in one of these situations where you're an at-large bid waiting to happen, but you're in a conference that isn't good enough to justify or warrant you getting that at-large bid. And so, pot pot play, we, we leave it alone for right now because there's another tournament coming. And I don't know if you've been following the news, but yesterday, let's, let's go back a minute. Yesterday on the show, we're talking about the Elam ending and how it was put into the All-Star game. And Dave Walsh, not necessarily familiar with it. Dave, of course, being on the show yesterday, the former Young Thunder Hair quarterback, not necessarily familiar with it. Well, I had to explain to him where it came from, what its purpose is, and I referenced the basketball tournament. Well, the basketball tournament announced where they're going to be holding regional rounds today, and one's coming close to a city near you. I'll give you a hint. It's not Huntington, and I'll give you another hint. It's not Morgantown, and we'll talk about that when we continue on today's edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. And resource about learning and attention issues to help your child thrive. Brought to you by understood.org and the Ad Council. Buckle up, Paul Swan has the wheel on The Drive, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Welcome back to the Tuesday, February 18th edition. Your Drive continues on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan, and guess what? The basketball tournament is coming to West Virginia, not... West Virginia teams are going to the basketball tournament. It's the basketball tournament coming to a city near you. And if you were with me in the last segment, I told you it's not coming to Huntington. It's not coming to Morgantown. It's going to Charleston. So there's basketball coming to Charleston. The Charleston Convention and Visitors Bureau announced that the Coliseum and Convention Center will be the site of 
one of the regionals of the basketball tournament. So it's one of eight host sites for the basketball tournament. And if you're not familiar with it, it's five on five. The overall winning team earns a $2 million purse. The other regional sites for this, Syracuse, New York, Wichita, Kansas, Columbus, Ohio, Jackson, Tennessee, Las Vegas, Nevada, Washington, D.C., and Winter Haven, Florida. If you're interested in when this thing is happening, the bracket for Charleston goes from July 24th to 26th. Tournament championship is going to be in August. And so the city of Charleston is going to play host to this thing. Now, this thing has grown, and it's taken off, and it's been something that has grown in interest. I'm not saying this is ultimately going to be must-see TV for a lot of you, but for some of you it will be because the basketball tournament brings together people you like, players you used to watch, players that you maybe you've never heard of before all coming together, forming a team. And you've got a couple of entries this year from West Virginia. you got Best Virginia. And you've got, of course, John Elmore's team. Is it fair to say John Elmore's team? You've got the West Virginia Wildcats. So Best Virginia did well last year. And apparently the following for Best Virginia really impressed the tournament promoters. They had a great showing in Richmond, Virginia. Of course, it's Richmond, Virginia. You can get to Richmond. And if you are a basketball fan in the state of West Virginia and you're a big fan of, say, WVU football or basketball and you like the Mountaineers and you hear some of your favorite Mountaineers are playing basketball and it's in a pretty meaningful tournament, you might go. And same thing for Marshall. I mean, Marshall has followers and fans. John Elmore comes to mind. And, of course, John Elmore has put together a team in the past. You've got Ryan Taylor, Stevie Browning, and some others. It's a little bit more of a diverse team. You don't have sort of a core group that played together. I mean, Best Virginia will have probably Deshaun Butler, John Flowers, Kevin Jones, a few others. And their core group, they know what they're doing in I think the West Virginia entry with the West Virginia Wildcats, a little bit more of a diverse group, some Marshall guys, some other guys, some in-state guys, not necessarily a Marshall team, a little bit more representative of everybody else. The backgrounds include people who just played basketball from here, but they're West Virginians. So, I mean, that in itself is pretty cool, that they're going to be representation once again. And now... This thing has gotten to the point where promoters have thought, hey, look, these West Virginia kids, these West Virginia guys, um, they really they really bring a crowd. So let's maybe take a tournament location and put it in West Virginia and see what happens. And really, you look at some of the cities that are, are on this list and I mentioned, again, Richmond, Virginia, not on this list, but you have Syracuse, New York. Okay, basketball, if you're thinking New York, you're thinking Syracuse. Wichita, Kansas, Columbus, Ohio, Jackson, Tennessee, Las Vegas, Nevada, Washington, D.C., and Winter Haven, Florida. And this is an opportunity for Charleston. I mean, they spent a lot of money reworking that convention center. They spent a lot of money. I mean, you got this brand new convention center. You've got some improvements made to the arena, I'm sure, things that really attract events like this, and here it is. Charleston's becoming a destination city, and you're going to see basketball tournaments there if this is successful. I mean, do they make a play for some other events? I don't know if they would get an NCAA regional. I don't know if, if the capacity is, is enough. I don't know 
if Charleston could pull off the NCAA regional, I don't think they could. Never say never, but is this proof of concept? Look, we can handle a tournament. I mean, again, I'm apples and oranges here, the basketball tournament, which is fun in itself. But now this is going to introduce a lot of people to the Elam ending, and I think that's fun. And I'm probably going to have to take Dave Walsh to this thing because if you were with us yesterday, I need to recap you on this if you weren't with us yesterday or in last segment, the NBA All-Star Game, fourth quarter, in a really fascinating move. Decided to change things up. So you got the shot clock, and that's it. No running clock. Instead, we're going to tack on 24 points. Team that has the high score, we're going to put 24 points on the target score to give you what you need. So you've got this score. you got to make this score now to win. And so the other team knows, all right, this is what we got to score to win. we got to go out and do it. And LeBron's team, playing down by nine, comes back and wins. And... What this is supposed to do is eliminate things like free throws, teams fouling to try to force free throws. It eliminates all of this stuff because it's not you're playing to the clock now, you're playing to the target score. And these games end quicker because how much excitement is there when you're dragging a game out? You're sitting there, you're watching the game, and then it gets to a point where you're just dragging this thing out. The other team is trying to foul. You go to the line. If you make both, great. If you miss one, the other team rebounds, tries to go down, get a quick score to try to trade baskets with you. If you miss, Marshall, say, is forcing this. Other team misses. Marshall gets the ball. They go down, score real quick, and then they go foul again, send you back to the line, and then you got to go make more free throws. And it's an attempt to basically say, all right, we're going to put you on the line. You're going to have to beat us on the line, but you're playing to the clock. You're not playing to the score. Well, with the Elam ending four minutes or with a natural timeout four minutes and under, the clock is stopped. No more clock. And then the target score is announced. And so you want to finish this game out. you got to hit the target score. you got to be the first one to hit that target score. And that's what the cool thing about the basketball tournament is. It just it introduced really to a lot of people the way this basketball ending maybe could be implemented. And I don't know if it's the way to go, but if the NBA game is any indication, the NBA All-Star game that fourth quarter, it was fun. That was one of the best quarters of basketball I've seen in a long time, period. And, of course, you get the best of the best going against each other, but still it was just it was fun. I don't know if that's going to improve the game, speed the game up, or – give it more flow because there wasn't, okay, we're going to foul you and then we're going to try to go and outscore you because if you miss one, then we can hit a two or three and we can make that up quick. And we keep doing that and we stop the clock and we go and do that again. And we send other people to, but guys are starting to foul out and it's just a drag game's over at that point. Just about, I mean, there's no quit, but still, no, here's a great way to solve that. Now, I don't know if they would do an untimed fourth quarter in college or the NBA. I don't know if that would happen. If you could do it untimed completely, just, okay, fourth quarter, no clock. Here's the target score. Go get it. I think that would be fascinating to see every single game. I mean, would the NBA be the one to do it first? Would they implement that? Would it be something you put in the college game? Because really, I think the college game might benefit from it more. If you have that 
And would you go with the, okay, we're not going to time the fourth quarter period, or, okay, we're going we're gonna to turn the clock off about four minutes ago. Here's the target score. you got to get to the target score. Or some of you are just saying, hey, no, let's let them go play. Let them go play. Forget this clock thing. Let's let them go play. And if it ends on a contest of free throws, it ends on a contest of free throws. If it ends in a blowout, it ends in a blowout. Forget this. this we want to play good old-fashioned, normal basketball. But can you imagine – how exciting the fourth quarter would be. How exciting the fourth quarter would be. And also, I'm going to tell you this right now, and it happens everywhere. So I'm not picking on just anybody here. I'm not picking on specific people. But there are a group of people, the game is not even over, and they get up after a certain point and they've decided, you know what, we're done. If Marshall's got a 10-point lead, okay, we're done. We've seen enough. We're out of here. We're good. We've got to fill a basketball. And I'm sure some people are legitimately leaving because, well, maybe they've got to be somewhere. Or, of course, the always dangerous and very, very deadly traffic jams in Huntington. Want to beat those. No, people just get up and leave. What, nobody leaving during that fourth quarter of the All-Star game. Nobody was leaving. Because that thing was not decided until it was decided. And that's what is really exciting about that because the fourth quarter meant something. There wasn't, okay, they've got this. I'm done. I don't have to see it. Yeah, I'm going home. I'm good. Now, it's not my job to tell you when you can stay and when you can go to go see a basketball game. You want to get up and, and go? Sure. But wouldn't it be fun to see who gets to the target score? Stick around. Stay until you get to that final conclusion, because it's not over until it's over. There's no, okay, they've got this, about a minute or so to go. Okay, they've got this. No, there's no minute or so to go. There is hit the target score, and you win. And so I hope there are good crowds with this thing in Charleston, and I'm probably going to try to get up there myself. And I'm definitely kidnapping Dave Walsh. We're going to take him up there and make him drive. That's the key, I'm going to make him drive. And we're going to go up there, we're going to watch this thing, and we're going to possibly – see if more people will get excited about the Elam ending. I love that. It's a great concept. I think I like the NBA version of it better just because it was just, here you go, target score, no clock, go get it. Who wants it more? And with the way it's done in the basketball tournament, after a certain amount of time, four minutes or less, stop the clock, okay, here's the target score, who wants it more? So you have an opportunity for the team that's trailing to know, okay, this is what we got to make up. All of a sudden, they're not too keen on putting the other team on the line because that gets them one or two baskets closer to the target score because it's not the clock that's going to beat you. It's going to be the target score. So I'm excited about this tournament. And a few years ago when these things came out, because, you know, you've got the summer basketball tournaments, and the basketball tournament seems to be – something that has really grown into, I'm going to say, a fun event. It's something that I will look forward to seeing. I mean, it's not the best basketball in the world, but it's not bad either. And it's fun because you got teams you can root for. I mean, they're based on geography at times. I mean, I can actually I can go and look at the schedule when it comes out and say, okay, here are the teams I'm going to follow. That's another thing about this is it's coming to West Virginia and you're going to have a couple of West Virginia teams in it, and when you're going to have players to root for. I mean, how many of you are going to go to Charleston? Because, hey, look, John Elmore is playing. John Elmore is playing again. I think this will be a huge turnout for at least people who want to see the Mountaineers play. Best Virginia. I mean, let's face it. It's, it's WV alumni, and that's cool. And the West Virginia Wildcats, you got some Marshall alums there. you got some other guys that are going to be playing, and you're going to have fun rooting for those teams as well. I mean, that's... What's cool about this thing is you've got teams you can actually root for. 
All right, we're going to get your phone calls at 877-420-TALK, 877-420-8255. More on the way. It's The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Never miss a moment of The Drive with Paul Swan. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You know, one thing I'm really passionate about, Cincinnati Bengals football. I'm a lifelong Bengals fan, so I had a lifelong of suffering. There were this, those, there were, there were some good times. Yeah, there were some good times. I think that's fair to say. The 80s were good. A couple of Super Bowl runs thwarted by the 49ers. We're not going to talk about those today, but there's some hope now, right? Because after, after several years of mediocrity, the Bengals decide to make a change and get rid of Marvin Lewis. And what happens? The Bengals lose even more games. And that's okay because you're in full rebuild now. I'm I'm okay with that. I'm on board with that. Rebuild the team. Start from scratch. Tear it down. You know, let the past die. Kill it if you must. And there's optimism now because you, you were so terrible. You get the first round pick in the NFL draft. You could get a transformative player. And then there's Joe Burrow sitting right there. Could be the transformative player, the potential top overall draft pick. He could be the guy that could lead the Bengals out of, well, purgatory. And then there's talk today that eh, maybe he doesn't want to be a Bengal. And that he has leverage. And you know what that sounds like? He might Eli Manning this thing. So there was a reception in Fort Worth. He was um, accepting the Davey O'Brien Award, given to the nation's top college quarterback. And he said that the Bengals have their process, and he has his process. And he also said that uh, we haven't even gotten to the NFL Combine yet. There are a lot of things that happened leading up to the draft and a lot of information gathered. But he said, I do have leverage. And he wouldn't elaborate on that. So now, all of a sudden, is there a possibility that maybe he doesn't want to be a Bengal? And, and there are a lot of people who are speaking out, saying that you don't want to be a Bengal. You don't, don't do it. Threaten. Use that power. Use that leverage. Don't do it. And my thoughts are, if you don't want to be a Bengal, I think I would be talking to the Bengals instead of the media and just say, look, I really don't think this is going to be the best fit for me. Uh, if you can, can you, you know, would you draft me and trade me or not? If you're going to draft me, I'd like a trade. Or maybe the Bengals sit around the table and think, you know, maybe, just maybe, we could work out a trade here. We could get several draft picks. Maybe not the number one pick. We could get several. We could get multitudes of draft picks here. We could get some stuff and... Maybe we don't have the superstar quarterback. Maybe we build this thing out. We get lots of draft picks for this. We we make this a win for us. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think what happens here is the Bengals draft him, and I don't know if they trade him. I mean, we're talking the Bengals here. We're talking the Cincinnati Bengals. And I think if he would actually try to pull this, pull a Eli, I think the Bengals would absolutely say no. We're not trading you. And then you got a standoff here. And does this mean that Joe Burrow sits and doesn't play for how many years? This is what interests me and scares me at the same time. Because I think as a NFL player, if you're drafted by a team, I mean, that's where you're going. That's where you're going. I, I don't think you, as a new player to the league, unproven, what your college experience is is one thing, but still unproven. To go in and demand, go in and say, look, I, I don't want to play here. 
I think maybe a lot of people are just um, blowing this up a little bit. Just because of the fact he says, I have leverage. Okay, what's that mean, really? What does that mean? I mean he's going to go in there, and they're going to talk to him, maybe, and find out if he's going to be the best fit for the Cincinnati Bengals. Or do the Bengals go a different route? If they draft a kicker on on the pick, you know, then we riot. But I mean, you got a couple other quarterback options as well. Do you go with Burrow? Do you go with Tua? Where do you go? And we're going to see in the combine. That's definitely going to – currency is going to go up and down for some. Or do you stick with Andy Dalton and go a different route? I don't know. I do know this. If you've got a guy who isn't going to play for you, I think I would draft him and see what kind of value I get for him. Like, okay, you don't want to play for my team? That's fine. I'm going to profit from this because you're the guy I want with my pick, and if you're telling me that you're not going to play for my team, that's fine. Uh, you're either going to sit or I'm going to get something out of this. It's just me. That's just me. I would definitely be the guy who would either make him sit or I'd make myself richer off of it. 877-420-TALK, 877-420-8255. We wrap it up when we continue with today's edition of The Drive here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. We're taking Paul Swan everywhere. Download or subscribe to The Drive with Paul Swan on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're wrapping up today's edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Paul Swan, your host. Thanks for tuning in. It's been a if you're if you're listening live, you're not listening on the podcast. It's been a miserable day outside. Overcast right now, darkening skies. It's been pretty nasty out there. So um, I wish Mother Nature would pick just one season because it's killing me. I'm sitting here having to turn the mic off and cough. It's not in your ear, but because. One day it's 30 degrees, the next day it's 65, and the day after that it's below freezing. Mother Nature needs to go home. She's inebriated. So uh, thanks for tuning in on this jury day. I appreciate it. Uh, we're going to try to um, maybe get some sun lamps in here and brighten this place up a little bit, and hopefully Mother Nature will settle on a season because here in West Virginia, of course, uh, we celebrate all the seasons every day. Uh, it'll be winter in the morning. It'll be spring in the afternoon. It'll be summer and fall right in all the same day here. We, of course, uh, will endeavor to carry on. All right. Um, coming up tomorrow on the show, i got to double-check my confirmation, but coming up tomorrow on the show, we're going to have Mr. John Mercer. i got to double-check that confirmation, though. Uh, we haven't talked tennis in a, in a little bit, so we'll have John come on the show tomorrow talk to us, and, of course, uh, we will get your phone calls in as well. As uh, John is uh, set to be on the show tomorrow, 5.30 p.m. I'm going to double-check that right away because we booked this thing, I think, a week or so ago. And we did it, actually, believe it or not, usually I just text John and say, hey, John, come on the show today. No, we actually booked this thing. So John's actually got time to prepare to be on the show tomorrow. And um, if you know John... He's already chomping at the bit for Pittsburgh Pirates baseball. If you know John, he is, he's got a lot of things going on and Marshall tennis too. So looking forward to talking to him and that is coming up tomorrow on the show. And you never know what else is going to happen. Of course, uh, basketball practice continues tomorrow as the will get right back at it, getting ready for bonus play. Looking forward to that. We'll talk about it all tomorrow and we'll do it. Once again, 5.06 right here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 9.30. For everyone who uh, helped make the show possible today, 
And for Core Septic, it's, uh, the other show producer today for making sure to actually have some speaking voice left. I'm Paul Swan. Thanks for tuning in to tonight's edition here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Flagship home of the Marshall Thundering Herd and The Drive with Paul Swan, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930.